You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A sponsored by Blueprint MCAT Prep. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. What can I help you with? Just have some general questions, things that have come along um, along the pre-med journey, just some that have stuck out. Um, one question about how admissions committees might see transfers between undergraduate institutions. Yeah. Nothing ridiculous, not jumping from, you know, like an IV to community college, <laughs> just from one institution for another for financial and personal reasons. Yeah. Nothing ridiculous. No, is not, that not hopping that's around. Explained. Yeah, not not hopping around in between every class of like picking and choosing what what school is going to have the easiest class. It it happens, right? Students go to to one school expecting one thing, have financial problems, have homesickness, whatever it may be. The culture doesn't fit, and you transfer. There's there's no questions asked. Nothing you need to explain. It is what it is. Somebody may ask at an interview. But the most general answer is, I switched colleges because I couldn't afford it, because this, because of that. And there, there's usually not much drama um, behind those answers. So I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. My next question is something that I read in your personal statement book. Okay. Um, I myself am a creative writer. And when I saw the don't section, don't have any themes. <laughs> yeah. The theme that was, that was presented was like the jungle. And I understood that part, yep. but like, since I'm a writer, mm-hmm. my theme was stories. Yeah. Is that an acceptable idea or is that? Ex- explain that a little more. So my personal statement starts out with talking about like, to me, medicine, when you see patients and everything, it's all about their stories. Yep. So that's how I see and that's how I frame it in the lens of the personal statement is when I meet patients, you know, the idea is you want to tell their story very well, especially as say, as a scribe mm-hmm. and as a physician, you're in a unique position to tell their story. In the personal statement, that's how I frame it is okay. the theme. So I tell, I think two or three main stories of experiences. I have the seed and then I water that seed all the way through. Yeah. But kind of like at the end of each paragraph, I come back to that story idea of someone I saw a patient that was wronged with how their story was told or personally how it was. Is that an acceptable theme or does that fall into the rest? Yeah, I I think you could try it. I'm always game for trying things, right? There's no rule that's set in stone. Um, even my own rules are, are made to be broken if it works well. So try it and then let's get some feedback on it and see what that looks like. My gut is going to tell me that it probably isn't going to work, that it's going to be more of a distraction, especially in that reflection part, which is supposed to really hammer home. Like, this is why I'm telling you this story. This is why the story is so important for me to want to be a physician. And you're going to distract it with, a story about a story. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Try it and see, and and maybe you can massage it so that you, you get a little bit of both, right. Of, of you still have that story theme in there, but you're also being a little bit more direct to why you're, you're having that story in the personal statement to begin with. Try it. Okay. 
I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give that a try. I'm at 5,299 characters. So <laughs> I have to be a little bit more Take careful. one down, pass it around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my next question is about going for interviews and talking to schools. You know, fingers yep. crossed, you get more than one interview. Yep. And especially if you apply broadly and you apply and you get interviewed for a school that, you know, you, you kind of had on your list, you're mm-hmm. looking into it. Um, especially with like, I know a lot of students have like big schools, number one, number two. Um, and, and that's, it's like a two part question. First part is how do you let like your top schools know that you're, that you are interested in them the most, like without just flat <laughs> out telling your number one school, I would yeah. drop everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, at some point you, you do do that potentially, especially after you get an interview at that school, you have a much better kind of leverage to say, accept me and I'll come, right? That's the letter of intent. The outside of that, the application is your like love letter. Like, I love you. I want to, I want to come to your school. Uh, You're applying, you're spending money, you're going through that process. You're spending money for a secondary essay, whatever the secondary looks like for that school. That's your interest. Uh, Outside of that, there's really not much else you can do other than really solidify in your secondary essays, assuming they're very school specific essay prompts, of why do you want to come to the school and what the school is of interest to you, however they ask those questions, to really hammer home why it is you're interested in that school. And that's where doing research about each school and not just cherry picking based on MCAT and GPA, where you're like, why do you want to come to this school? Well, I used the sliders on the MSAR and it said I potentially have a chance here, right? That doesn't, that doesn't do anything, but that's what students do. So just doing your research before you apply, making sure you know why you're adding each school to your list. That's, that's where that comes from. Okay. And now that, um, that goes into the second part of the question. When I was just kind of looking at schools and putting them on my math list. Yep. Um, great software, by the way, Thank it you. really does help. Thank you. Um, for my main reasoning for schools was how well they integrate like HPSP for the army or the air force as I'm applying for those scholarships. Okay. Um, some of the schools that I'm applying to, or some of the schools that I would like to apply to are kind of near, I wouldn't want to say the bottom of the list, but schools that are there because they do they do well by HPSB students mm-hmm. when they bring up that question of why this school over all of the others. Yeah. Um, and they kind of, you kind of get that sense that they're probing of how many other schools have you applied to? How do you answer that question of like, <laughs> without directly telling them that there are others above you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think it really comes up enough to worry about, right? Schools are not dumb. They know that students are applying to lots of schools just because that's the game that you have to play. So I, I really wouldn't worry about that type of question. Um, other than to say, uh, right, the, the very politician answer of I'm, I'm really interested in school. Well, of course, I've answered, I, I've applied to other schools, 
but I'm really interested in this school and here's why. I think you just, you spin it a little bit. Um, but, but I, again, I wouldn't worry about that question because schools know that you're applying to other schools. I want to rewind a little bit and, and probe a little bit more about HPSP. How are you finding out if a school is HPSP friendly? And so for, for someone watching or listening to this, HPSP is the Health Professions Scholarship Program, which the Army, Navy, and Air Force, and now the VA offer um, in terms of scholarships to, to medical school. So how are, how are you figuring out medical schools that are friendly in that way? So I've been lucky enough just for schools around me up in the Northeast that I have known a few people or that have gone to events for example, the University of New England up in Maine has great programs that engage with pre-medical students, and I've been able to get in contact with some of their current HPSP scholarship recipients. I've been able to ask them okay. or go to the UC Davis conferences yeah. and everything like that, plus also just asking the recruiters yeah. because the Rec- Army recruiters don't know anything. <laughs> in, right? in, in Boston, I asked them just very directly what schools do you see the majority of your applicants going to? Yeah. And also kind of like a little thing that you can look at um, on the Facebook pages of a lot of the army medical recruiting, like a lot of their medical recruiting Facebook pages, they see where their students match to. So they just post their faces all over Facebook. So, and so matched here and what school they're from. Yeah. So I just kind of put a list together of where I saw those students. Yeah into getting into the residencies that I'm interested in where they went to school and I saw some overlap and I was like, okay, maybe if I want to go into general surgery here, then I saw three students from this one particular school. So I looked more into that one as well. Yeah. So, so I'll just, I'll give my two cents on that, that process. The, the way HPSP works is you get into medical school first and then you technically apply for the scholarship now that you have at least one acceptance to medical school. And so in terms of the scholarship and the school, there's really no direct correlation. It's, I got into school, will you pay for me? I, I want to sign up for HPSP. Once you're in school, for the most part, you're pretty hands-off from the military. The, you go to school, they don't want to bother you. Obviously, your job is to come out, graduate, and practice medicine, depending on the school that you go to, whether or not they have a summer between first and second year, usually the military will have some training for you in between first and second year. Depending on when you get the scholarship and when school starts, there's some training before school, again, depending on when you actually get the scholarship. So that's usually commissioned officer training called COT. Um, that you would go to. And that's specifically for doctors and lawyers and nurses and chaplains and and those types of more professional career fields. And then again, between first and second year, if your school has a summer, then there's some more training that you go to. And if you don't have that, then you don't go to the training and you just do all the training after you graduate school and, and kind of during your your active duty time, you you start to do all of that training. And so I really don't see a, a big need to do a lot of research to determine if a school is quote unquote HPSP friendly or not, because there's really nothing that they're going to do, that the school specifically that they're going to do that affects you and the military during your HPSP time in school. Okay. 
all, all the school is there for is to take Uncle Sam's money and say, thank you very yeah. much for the money. And that's it. There, there's nothing really that the school has to do to help you or help the military while you are in. Okay. Okay. Um, another question that I have, particularly pertaining to school lists. Yep. Um, at first, it was very broad. Now I'm kind of paring it down. Good. Um, some schools get a lot of applications. Yeah. Like quite a lot. They all do. Especially yeah. some M- MD schools. Yeah. You see 10,000 plus applications. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so each school is probably getting between 20 to 25 to upwards of probably 40 or 50 applications per seat, right, is, is a good way to think about that. Um, yeah. And residency programs, I, I spoke to one residency program director the other day. He has six seats, quote unquote seats, right, for his surgical residency program. He got 1,300 applications for those six seats. Oh, That's 216, I think. I think the math was. 216 applications per seat. So it only gets worse from here on out. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> follow up with your question there. So my question generally was, how in-depth do you think they're actually looking at all of those applications. I know some of them are pre-screened for whatever reasons. Yep. Maybe not completed application. You don't meet the GPA or MCAT. Yep. The rest of them, which is still a sizable amount. Yeah. How, like, is should a student have confidence that their <laughs> application is being looked at? Yeah. No. No. I, I don't. I don't think so because the numbers just don't make it that easy. I, I think schools that say we review every application. What they are saying is we don't have cutoffs that will automatically throw your application away. And so that still typically will mean we're not going to get to every application, even if we can. Um, so, So what schools will likely do, and again, this is varies from school to school to school, is is just what what we call in the military rack and stack, right? We 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 look at all of the applications. We go top to bottom in terms of MCAT and GPA, right? And we can we can sort, we can filter, we can do everything we can with our software so that we have all 10,000 applications are viewable, but we're going to start at the top with the highest MCAT score, highest GPA, highest amount of hours, highest amount of whatever they have determined is important for them. And then they just go one by one by one, right? And and one by one by one means, okay, uh, Dr. Dr. John, you're going to take these 10 and Dr. Sally, you're going to take these 10. And they, they send them out to all of the reviewers who are on kind of the review part of the admissions committee. And they go through their process and score the applications and figure out who they're going to invite for an interview. And once they fill up all of their interview spots, then that's kind of it. And maybe they only got halfway through that full stack. That's just the name of the game, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But with that said, I don't think you trying to figure out if you're going to end up reviewed or not by a particular school, I don't think that really should be a question in your mind at this point because you 
you have no control over that. You don't know what school A is doing or school B is doing. You have no control over any of that. The only thing that you can control is having a good GPA, having a good MCAT score, doing well with all of your extracurriculars, putting together a strong story in your application, and submitting it to the schools where you think you're going to be a good fit. And let them do the rest. Okay. So I know we're still quite a few months away from the next cycle. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of advice going around as to when you should submit and when it's a good time, when it's usually not a good time. Yep. Is that like the two weeks at the beginning of June? Is that like really the sweet spot is like if you it doesn't matter whether you're in June 1st or like June 5th, if you're within like a little while from the beginning, are you still technically in the first pile that people look at? It it just depends. Uh, It it depends on AMCAS, really, their turnaround time. Um, And and it depends on how many students click submit on that first day. So AMCAS is really the bottleneck. The verification process is the bottleneck. And so I've seen some students submit day one, be verified in two weeks. Some students submit day two, be verified be verified in a month because of so many students submitting that first day. I think if you submit your application within the first month or so, you're you're going to be fine just in the big picture of things, whether you're in that first wave of applications or not. And look, my general advice to, to submit early, I had Dean Rivera on, who's the Dean of Admissions at NYU. And he says a lot of times that backfires on students because it's it's the super, super strong students who are trying to submit very early as well. And, and you potentially as a weaker student, and not you specifically, but just you in general as a weaker student, you may get lost in the sea of really strong students. And so maybe it will be beneficial for you to, to wait a few weeks just to let all of the gunners through and then you submit your application. So again, there's, there's a lot of, I don't like to use the word luck, but there's a lot of luck in this process of, of when you submit your application, who else is submitting it at the same time, and what the process is at each individual school. To, to determine how they're reviewing applications. Because one school may take down applications in batches and go, okay, I'm going to pull down 100 or let's, let's say 100, right? 100 applications at a time. And, and I'm going to only look at those 100 applications right now. And I see 4.0 students, 520 students. And you at a 3.4 and, and a 510 aren't going to make the cut with this 100 students and you're you're done for that school for that application cycle yeah. right versus another school that may take all the applications and just constantly be pulling them into their pile and and you end up in a spot where you will get invited for an interview just depending on that school so it it's just a crapshoot unfortunately yeah um any predictions for the next cycle because i know that Everyone's throwing around the idea that, especially this um, current cycle, there's a lot of applications, a lot more than last year and the year yeah. before, and more so than the usual jumps. Yeah. Do you foresee that ridiculous jump again in June? Uh, yeah. So I don't think I, I have a different kind of opinion on this. I don't think the numbers of applications that we saw 
is any sort of trend that we're going to see moving forward. I think a lot of students rushed an application because some schools out there said that they were going, going to accept students without an MCAT. And so some students were like, hell yeah, like sign me up. I don't want to take the MCAT. <laughs> like, and so they rushed, they rushed through an application. And so what we're going to see, in my opinion, is a lot of those students who rushed an application last cycle are going to be reapplicants this cycle. And so we're going to potentially see a quote unquote normal application cycle again moving forward and, and not a huge, uh, a huge amount of students applying like we saw this last cycle. There, there was lots and lots and lots of, of PR push from the AAMC to, to yeah. show, oh, look at the Fauci effect, all these students applying to medical school. And I just saw a recent one um, posted probably the same PR push of like, oh, look at all of the minority students applying because they want to help their, their uh, communities, right, that were disproportionately affected by COVID. It takes a long time to get ready to apply to medical school. There weren't students sitting around, right? Minority students sitting around studying for their economics degree, all of a sudden going, oh my gosh, my community is disproportionately affected by COVID. I'm going to apply to medical school in two months, right? That's just not how it works, but that's how it was being spun, unfortunately. And so again, I think the biggest amount of, of applications for this last year had nothing to do with COVID other than schools potentially were being more lenient when it came to volunteer hours, shadowing hours, MCAT, et cetera, and students were trying to take advantage of that, trying to shortcut the system. And that, in my mind, is just going to backfire on them, and they're just going to be back in the normal application cycle that they were supposed to be in uh, to begin yeah. with. So that's that's my my take. I don't think the application cycle was any harder this cycle or is going to be any easier, any easier next cycle. So, um, it just is what it is. Okay. Okay. That's a quick question for mapped specifically Yep. for, uh, now that you have AMCAS, ACOMAS, TMD, SAS in there and kids can throw in their drafts for things Yep. for the activities, especially for AMCAS, since you can say, this is my like the um, the three you can designate three as the most meaningful. Yep. Will there be a separate section for that for like word count? Because I have to throw in the first seven hundred characters and yep. then thirteen hundred and twenty five later, and that just adds them up and puts it in the red. Yep. Yeah. Will there we, be a separate. Okay. We we definitely will have separate ones in there. Um, it's it wasn't included in the the release of that feature because it was uh, a completely separate spot and and the way that we had developed it and <clears throat> and when I saw it how it was uh, implemented I was like no 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 like we don't release this just take it off and then we'll add it in properly later yeah so the okay. the goal of mapped is to really quote unquote simulate an application to where all of your extracurriculars, most meaningful essays, um, uh, obviously personal statement, TMDSAS, uh, extra optional and required essays, your MD-PhD and research essays for those applying MD-PhD route, all of that stuff will be in there uh, moving forward. Okay. It's very nice. It makes it super helpful. Good. <laughs> Everything's all I'm in one glad. place. Yeah. Well, so. awesome. Anything else I can answer for you? 
I think that's just about it. I think you've answered all of my questions. Awesome. Let's talk about the MCAT real quick. What What's your plan for the MCAT? I'm taking it on Monday because I was one of the <laughs> January test takers that okay. got canceled in Massachusetts and was given the rare February date. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm taking it on the 15th of February in Massachusetts. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. Good luck. Did you take any blueprint exams or use any blueprint resources? I did. Yes. Um, I started off with your book when I was a freshman because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> nice. And I started with Next Step. It was just Next Step. Yep. And then moved on to Blueprint. So I saw those ads on YouTube videos where you can drag around what lessons you want for the day. And to me, that was probably the most helpful because I yeah. procrastinate and I need to know what I'm doing on what day. Yeah. So that was super helpful. And I use blueprint exams and I input those right into maps. And I was even able to talk to uh, Dr. Wright about it. Nice. Very so. cool. Yeah, their, their online schedule system, right? I, I like to say, work the plan, plan or plan the work, work the plan, right? I don't say that, right? Yeah. It's a general saying. Uh, and their, their kind of schedule builders is pretty easy to use and, and free for everyone. If you just go to blueprintprep.com and uh, sign up for free half-length diagnostic, full, uh, free full-length, and then that uh, schedule planner as well. So cool. Fingers crossed. Good luck. And I'll Thank see you, you in Application Academy office hours. I, I will see you there as well. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 